Hey Playwright, I'm Tori Rice. And I'm Mabel Reynoso. And welcome to Hey Playwright. A podcast about playwriting and life. Hey everyone, we are so excited to be kicking off season three. Who would have thought that a couple of years ago on a drive to a certain place where Mabel and I taught together, we we would dream up this podcast and then it came to be. And what are we doing to kick off season three, Mabel? We got this this crazy idea that um that we Mabel, it was okay. your idea. It was. It was my idea. But I told you that I wanted to do a tennis festival and you were like, I don't know. I don't know what was going on in your head, but you said yes. And always. <laughs> yes, I, and I will. I will always say yes. And and do you know why? Because what? your ideas, they always end up being awesome. Like, you know, I know nothing about tennis, but hey, I'm there. <laughs> But yes, a, she I'm bought the fan. ticket. Yeah, she bought I'm the ticket <laughs> and sat in the stands for Love Five, the tennis play. So we did a virtual five-minute play festival all around the theme of tennis, and the works were beautiful, moving, hilarious, heartbreaking, all of it. And it all goes to show that tennis is not just a game; it is a backdrop for life. And I would like to say thank you to all of the playwrights who submitted because all of the plays were really, really good. It was hard for us to narrow it down to the ones that we included in the program. But we just want you all to know um, that we really value your work. We we value your writing and that you're sending it in to us and trusting us to read it and choose. So please, please keep submitting. So Without further ado, we present to you the audio version of the program, the official selections for Love 5, The Tennis Plays. Please enjoy the show. Girls with Balls by Sheila Duane. Characters are Sir Nigel Wellington, 45 years old, British, and Patty Adams, female, 14 years old, American. Mr. Wellington, you wanted to see me? Sir Wellington. Who's that? I am Sir Wellington. I am a knight in the order of the British Empire. An honor bestowed on me by Queen Elizabeth II. Henry VIII's kid? You are unschooled, as are, dare I say, all American children. Yeah, okay. Why did you want to see me? I know you sent Sandra and Ruby home, but I know you're not dismissing me. I'm too good. Please sit down. Nah, I'm in a hurry to get back to the courts. Well, Patricia. Patty. Uh, Patty is so déclassé. Huh? Never mind. Patricia. I'd like to speak to you about what I see as your failure to commit to the seriousness of this new vocation. What? You do not seem to comprehend the seriousness of this training. To be a ball girl? That is correct. I'm good at it. I'm fast. Got a good eye. I think I'm great. I do agree with your observation that you have velocity and clearly the momentum, but there are other factors I must consider, as you are under my tutelage. You talk funny. My child, I am proud to speak the Queen's English, unlike you Americans who speak some bastardized form of a Germanic derivative tongue I often find, frankly, difficult to understand. I want to get back to the court, so spit it out. Young lady, I believe you have neither the pedigree nor the temperament to receive commission from my ball boy boot camp. Pedigree? Ball boy? The hell are you talking about? I'm the best in this training program. You do realize, even as an American, that the term best is subjective, do you not? How do you define the word best, Boomer? You will not disrespect me, Patricia. I'm not. I asked a question. If you define best as a person who is the most successful doing what the job description says I'm supposed to do, then I'm the best. 
That's fact. What you fail to understand, young lady, is the fact that the, my training for, for ball boys is... Ball boys? You keep saying ball boys. The application said for ball boys and ball girls. That is, ball boys and ball girls is based on a century of British guidance regarding not only practice of the essentials, but also the attitude that must be espoused by our successful certificate earners. Frankly, you do not present as a ball person ready to embrace the appropriate bearing necessary to meet the tennis court needs of a Fred Perry or a Bunny Austin. Who? Oh, gosh. Say what you want, Mr. Wellington. Sir! I'm the best you got. I don't know what gauche means, but my rolls are flat. My feet is good. I'm fast. I read the players like nobody's business. At the base, my feet are shoulder length apart, and I show the ball just like you taught me. Much of what you say is true, but you have no respect for British traditions. You are crass, your language is vulgar, and you are ignorant of the history of- I know what's happening here. History as in only ball boys, as in no ball girls, as in lawsuit, as in you were a ball boy once at Wimbledon, right? Indeed I was. Yeah, well, I know this history. It's called discrimination. This is America, sir. And the colonies have rebelled against people like you. To me, you're Mr. Willington. Here, if there are ball boys, there are ball girls. Even Wimbledon accepted ball girls in 1977. Say what you will, I... I will say what I will. And I'll say what I want. I'm going to be a ball girl at the U.S. Open and no British sexist pig is going to stop me. You have a freaking queen for shit's sake. How can you be, how can you be a chauvinist? Jeez. Leave it up to a bunch of twits who have a constitutional monarchy when you're taxed up your ass to pay for a royal family that doesn't even run your country. And you don't come over here to the United States with your tennis history and push me around. You have Serena Williams. I'm going back to training. And if you even think of dismissing me, my mother, who happens to be an attorney, will come in here and give you that what for. End of play. The Top Seed and the Poor Seedlings by Rex McGregor. The characters are Franco Romani, a young Italian man, and Maureen Carter, a mature woman. Place, a private tennis court, time, the present. Franco is playing tennis on a private court with a high wire net fence behind him. He wins a rally. Advantage to the Supremo. Match point. Dolomie is the final serve, Giovanni. Go out in style. Try for a spectacular lob. Franco <laughs> serves, waits, then watches the ball fly over the fence. Oh, game, set, match. Go fix the drinks. I'll join you in a minute. Eh, don't feel bad. You hit the last shot out of the park. You should take up baseball. <laughs> Franco approaches the fence. Scusi, signora. Over there on that uh, pile of dirt. Uh, would you mind? Grazie. Maureen enters on the other side of the fence holding a tennis ball. I haven't touched a tennis ball in decades. It's a lot harder than I remember. You're uh, smudging it. Oh dear, how inconsiderate of me. Va bene. Uh, I'm Franco, Franco Roman. Am I supposed to recognize the name? If you follow sport. I don't. I'm Maureen Carter, not widely known beyond local charities. We just moved in. I'm well aware. Concrete mixers have been heralding your arrival for weeks. I hope the noise wasn't uh, too bad. I suppressed an urge to record the decibel level. <laughs> but you've got your peace and quiet back now. Have I? The work's all finito. We christened the court this morning. I heard the whole hullabaloo. 
Tell us much louder than I thought. Yeah, uh, rackets don't come with silencers. I expected the uh, fuck, but not the constant running commentary. Just keeping score. I play chess. We don't feel a need to announce every move with a grunt. Ah, it's easy to make no sound when you expend no energy. I get my exercise from gardening. Well, let's see how fit you are. Can you manage to throw the ball back over? I wonder. Andiamo. The, the, the fence isn't that high. The eyesore has one job, and it's already failed on the first morning. We played hundreds of strokes. A single ball escaped. How often do you intend to use the court? Every day. Professional needs regular practice. So over the next decade, we're facing potentially thousands of breaches. Assuming I survived that long, next door to you. I beg your pardon? <laughs> Me dispace, Maureen, just to throw the ball back. No. I refuse to condone vandalism. What? That pile of dirt where this landed is actually a flower bed. I see no color. The seedlings are yet to bloom. They're at a very delicate stage, vulnerable to aerial bombardment. Davvero? This is technically a missile. I'm confiscating it. As evidence. I have other balls, you'll see. Is that a threat? Let's both calm down, eh? I'm willing to be a good neighbor. Oh. I'll make the fence twice as high. Oh, no! I hate the sight of the monstrosity as it is. An extension would be unbearable. I thought you were concerned for your sprouts. There's another solution. Well, let's hear it. Move the court. <laughs> what? You have a large lawn <laughs> on the far side of the house. Install the court there. Oh, don't be ridiculous. You clearly have the money. It's important for neighbors to be considerate. Don't you agree? A leaf flutters down and lands on the court. One moment. Uh What's this? A leaf from your tree? An oak. Deciduous. Grandio! Wet leaves are, are, are uh, a slip hazard. The wind blows them everywhere. <laughs> that tree must have thousands. I can't risk injury. Then move the court. Nope. Chop the tree down. Never. <laughs> I could break my leg! Not if you take my advice. A wire fence offers no protection. Leaves can fly through. You're right, Maureen. I'll build a wall. Solid bridge. That would be hideous. Besides, leaves would just drift over the top. True. I'll make the wall four times higher. Oh, dear Lord, no. Ile grazie. It's so nice to have a helpful neighbor. End of play. Ghost in the Net by Dana Hall. The characters are Pat, a middle-aged man that has a breakpoint in his life, and Don, a middle-aged man and a good friend. At Rise, we open to two men about to play tennis. Pat is seated doing an elaborate warm-up. He starts with a little over-the-head stretching. He picks up his racket, taps it on his hand. He twirls it and gives it a kiss. He takes the ball and puts it on the center of the racket, testing its bounce. He then twirls it again and taps it on both of his shoulders. Hey, Rafael Nadal, are we going to play or are you just going to take it out to lunch? You have to get your mind right or you'll end up in the net.
How do you think he got to be the U.S. Open repeat champion? The training, dedication, the natural talent. The guy started playing when he was three years old, Pat. Yes, but that's not the secret to winning gold medals. Would you like to know what that is, Don? I'm afraid to ask. You have to have a relationship with the racket. <laughs> I'm not sure that's lean. You laugh now, but it's true. Yeah, no, listen, we're at the Oakburn Rack Club in the middle of Ohio, and you're, a, you're an accountant, and I'm a middle school English lit teacher, and I'm satisfied with my life and relationships and the way that they are things. Tennis is a metaphor for life. I see. You have to learn to treat your racket correctly, or it will betray you. <laughs> right. Pat throws a tennis ball at Don. And he dodges it. What? What the hell, man? You made a decision. Yeah, not get hit by in the skull with a freaking tennis ball. Easy choice. Advantage service, fault break, love. This is life. Did you have a few at the clubhouse before I got here? Stone sober, my friend. Don't you see? Every single match is a life cycle. Every ball that comes to you, you have to decide what you're going to do with it. Sometimes it comes smashing down the line and it's all you. Pat lifts up another ball and pretends he's going to throw it. That Don flinches. You have either the consequences or the success of your actions. You have to wake up or it's over. Game, set, match. Okay, geez, get it. It's over, Don. <laughs> we didn't even start yet. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'll have more of a relationship with the racket or whatever. Can we please just play now? No. It's Becky. She's leaving me. Well. Damn. I'm sorry. What happened? Said she fell out of love after 15 years. I didn't see it coming. I mean, I know we've been a bit distant lately, but I thought that was normal. I was focusing on work and I thought we'd come through it. Like always. Real ghost in the net. What? Well, you know, when someone sneaks it past their opponent when they're distracted, geez, <laughs> tennis is a metaphor for life. Are you gonna be okay? It's my fault. You're right. I didn't pay attention to the right things. Remember, when we used to play in college on the grass courts off campus? Yeah, well, the ball would bounce lower and faster. Now, out here on the clay courts, the ball bounces lower and higher. So? So, adjust! It took us time to navigate this court, so stop just existing between the lines. This is your break point. It's up to you to do in this moment. Don takes out a ball and tosses it to Pat. Pat catches the ball and stares at it. End of play. True Crime, Tennis, and Love Triangles by Marielle Vizcarra. Claudia and Lori are sitting together on the benches by the tennis courts. Claudia has her earbuds in, listening to a true crime podcast. Lori is checking her makeup in her compact mirror. She turns to Claudia. Claudia. Yoo-hoo, Earth to Claudia. Now, why would you do that? It was just getting to the best part. The dismemberment? The dismemberment happened 15 minutes ago. It was just getting to the part where they let me know who the bad guy was and the victims finally getting justice. Oh, my bad. <laughs> You want to be my doubles partner? Huh? The tournament this weekend? Did you forget? 
I didn't forget. So you want to be my partner or what? Hell no. <laughs> really? <laughs> Come on, it'll be fun. I'd rather not play, to be completely honest. Andale. I would ask Sophie, but she's out of town. Oh, so I was your second option? No, honey. You were my last. <laughs> I asked Sophie and then Maria, but Maria is playing mixed doubles. Oh, she's partners with her crush. Ah, the flaquito. He is cute. Isn't his younger brother in love with Maria, though? Ouch. Oh, yeah, he kind of is. Pinche Maria, she's in a love triangle. <laughs> a tennis love triangle. A tennis love triangle with brothers. <laughs> Michael Maria is a badass. <laughs> love means nothing, right? Eh? I see what you did there. Play on words, because love means zero in tennis, but then love in real life means... What does love in real life mean, Lori? A ver, I'm very intrigued. Pinche love expert. Love means, love means, I, 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 don't, I don't know. The only thing that I know about love is what how I feel when I eat my cachitos con queso. You were trying to distract me. Mala. No, I wasn't. Be my partner. Please, pretty please. I hate when you beg. I'll owe you. Cachitos con queso? Whatever you want. I just hate doubles though. Why? With the passion. But why? Me and doubles have a complicated relationship. Like Maria with those brothers. You're trying to distract me again. I, wh why is it complicated? It's just hitting a tennis ball back and forth and just another person in your side of the court. There's nothing complicated about that. You wouldn't understand. <sighs> Try me. Fine. I don't like depending on other people. Are you serious right now? What? You don't think I'm a good player. And where did you get that from? You just said. You are so dramatic. I said, I don't like depending on people. Not that you were a bad tennis player. That's basically the same thing. Look, <laughs> I love playing singles because if I lose, I lose because of me. Because I played a shitty match or because the other opponent was simply better than me and I'm okay with that doubles is too much trust too much dependency you depend on me to play a good match and I depend on you to play a good one too and if one of us has a bad day then that's it those true crime podcasts mess with your head bad down back now what are they talking about no, they didn't. You have trust issues because all of the murderers in the world and rapists and kidnappers. I don't have trust issues. Girl, this is a high school tennis game. The tournament is not even part of the league. It's just for fun. Fun? Yes, Clau. You've ever heard of it? Fun? Sometimes tennis can be just fun. Fine. I guess tennis can't be just fun for you. I didn't want to play because I'm bad at doubles. Can't work the net for shit. I do have trust issues though. Oh well. End of play. W or M by Lucy Wong. The characters are Al, formerly Stephanie, and Glenn. The setting is a tennis court. Glenn is waiting for someone courtside. Glenn? Hello, you my tennis date? When I saw you needed a tennis partner, I couldn't resist. Long time no see, well, too long. Do we? Uh, we do. Surely you remember this move? Oh my God. 
Stephanie? That's me. Oh, it was me in a former life. Wow. When? A few years ago. How the heck are you? <laughs> I go by Al now. Al? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can call me Al. If you be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal. I knew there was a reason you loved that song so much. Uh, Just uh, didn't know it was this. Look at you. I, I can't get over how good I look. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the fact you used to be my girlfriend. <laughs> Crazy, huh? What we didn't know or did know but couldn't say. How? You still look the same. Please, I wish. Uh, th thank you. You know what else has changed? I'm afraid to ask. My serve. Prepare to be crushed. What? You're going to let me win for old time's sake? Oh. You're not going to let me win for old time's sake? <laughs> well, what fun? What would the fun be in that? Where is the blend I used to know and love? A little... Soft in the middle. Hit that ball of fear with your racket. That's what I do. That's how I became fierce. I might have to let you win. Mm, to save face? To celebrate. Uh, let's rally a little bit. Sure. Give me a chance to loosen up here and impress you with my fancy footwork. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you can call me Serena. What if I let you serve first? Really? You'll let me? Hmm. Mm. You're right. That's something Stephanie would do. Not Al. Mm. That's why Al became Al. Not Renee. Whatever <laughs> happened to Renee Richards? She was a good-looking pioneer. Like you? Well... <sighs> Thanks. I'm still going to beat you fair and square. Sure about that? <laughs> Lucky break. No more distractions. I can't beat a pioneer. There's a special place in hell for people who crush pioneers. Let's call it even get a round of drinks instead. Loser buys refreshments. Loser talks. <laughs> Hit first, talk later. I have a million questions. Then you know what you have to do. Fine. I came here to play some tennis. Prepare to be crushed. W or M? W for win. Of course. What was I thinking? Lynn twirls the Wilson tennis racket. It lands. W it is. Game on, Glenn. Game on, Al. End of play. The Day I Was Supposed to Play Tennis with Samuel Beckett by Hank Kimmel. characters are a man and a woman, setting the lobby of a decrepit tennis club early Sunday evening, a place that was once glorious, now bare and sparse, except for the two characters, others left hours or even days ago. At rise, a man sits. During the course of the play, he unlaces his sneakers, takes them off, puts them on again, and the man addresses a woman who wears a clean tennis dress, but is barefoot. I know, I know, I know. I should probably say enough is enough and get on with it. My life. How long has it been? A week? A day? An entire year? I still think it's going to happen. And when it does, it's going to be the most glorious thing ever. For you? For me? For him? I can understand why you think I'm making the worst choice possible, if it's even a choice, because as I look at you, I see beauty unexpressed, love ungarnered, 
hope unfulfilled. I have a decent backhand, more consistent than yours, and my sir, serviceable. I'm not afraid to rush the net, unlike Lucy, who only waits for someone else to make a mistake. I'm not saying we haven't been right for each other. It just means if he comes, I want to be here. Because he's going to come, mark my words, and when he does, I'll be ready. Wait, don't leave, not yet. Because they say our games are well suited. His and mine, me, I'm patient, waiting to wait, willing to wait it out all day from the baseline. Shot after shot on the red clay, not caring about time or score. Although let's face it, winning is important, isn't it? Because that's what people will ask. What was the score? When all that really matters is how we got here. How we got there, because his game has flourished. That's what they say. Beautiful long strokes that can transcend a generation. And though it's a long shot, if he even comes, I think I can make this a worthwhile match. I am moving up the club ladder, almost in the middle, capable of more, but grateful not to have less, knowing my day will come. And when it comes, I promise to be humble, merciful, thankful. The twos, they need airing out. Your, your trousers, a relic of a bygone era, tight, stained, and not just around the fringes. Your bracket chipped around the edges. It's been ages since it's been thrown in anger or celebration. Because I've begun to understand that though the game is designed to break your heart, it can be forgiving at the same time. He's not going to come. What if he does? There's no guarantee he'll play with you. Still, isn't it worth taking the chance? Most of us learn too late to switch a losing strategy. We, we go for the line when we should play the ball down the middle of the court. Wait, please don't go. Not yet. Because this you should know. I will never forget you, even if you think you will be forgotten. And I will not stop loving you, even if you think you will no longer be loved. Because if you're still willing, we can hit some balls until he comes. Even though I know we haven't always been compatible around the court. You, too much of a perfectionist. And me, too much of an <laughs> optimist to realise it's just a game. You used to say you could tell everything about, you could you can tell everything you needed to know about someone by watching them hit three balls. Me, I can tell everything I need to know about someone by their insistence to play when most sane people would know to walk away. I will no longer let my feet be stuck in place. Feet, please move. Why won't they move the way they used to move? Am I done before my time? Or maybe my time has come to stay within the confines, within the court. There's no longer endless possibility. Marguerite, Margie, Marge, I've never said this to anyone before, but I love you. Love as in love, not love, as in 15 love. Love as in? A lifetime of missed opportunity together. If he comes, when he comes, it'll be the greatest day ever. Greater than the day I delivered contact lenses to the legendary Arthur Ashe or played doubles with the irrepressible Renee Richards or... Or where Aaron Crickstein and I battled it out in the heat of the Florida sun until he said, no more mercy. Those are moments I will treasure, tre cherish forever, just like I will cherish my time with you. Because none of this is personal. And all of it is personal at the same time. Because when Samuel Beckett invites you to play tennis, the best you can do is wait and be ready, because this will be the greatest day of my life, or the worst. 
I can only hope you'll not forget me. The woman takes another step back and then runs away forever, leaving the man alone. He stands. His shoelaces are tied together and he stumbles going forth. He picks up the racket, which has no strings or grip. The man takes a white tennis ball from his pocket, picks up the racket with no strings. He tosses up the ball and directly facing the audience starts taking a swing. And before the swing is completed, the lights go to blackout. The end. Kick serve by Chris Eli Black. The characters are Matthew, Robbie's father, age 30 to 40, and Robbie, Matthew's daughter, 15. The when, today, tomorrow, yesterday. The where, a public tennis court somewhere in Houston, Texas. A quote, in a perfect dream, things would be set exactly the way you would want them. But I think it's more interesting that in real life, things aren't exactly the way you planned. Naomi Osaka. Robbie on one side of the net hits the ball back and forth with her father, Matthew, who is positioned on the opposing side. He doesn't for one second think about taking it easy on her. As soon as one ball hits or misses her racket, another one is already flying towards her. Sweat beads on both of their foreheads, Matthew's more so than Robbie's. She misses a few, then more than a few, eventually slamming her racket down to the ground. Okay, okay, hey, let's, let's take five. How does that sound? Sound good? <clears throat> Robbie, does that sound good to you? Sure. Awesome. Uh, I'm on my way over. He runs around to Robbie and the two sit on the painted... <sighs> So on a break, I know I just want to uh, have a couple of pointers for when you get back up there. Break. Wait. Okay. Will you just uh, uh, listen to me? Now I, I know what I'm talking about. Your form today. It's not bad. It's just bad. But, but it's not right. So bad. No, it, it could just be better. That's all. Nothing but a few adjustments won't fix. It's mostly the legs and the arms, a neutral stance. Remember, it's uh, what helps you balance the weight so that you can follow the ball anywhere it goes. It's your safety stance. Can't do you wrong, especially with that backhand you got. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, we all have bad days. Okay. <laughs> Again, not saying you're doing bad, but if you're feeling off, it's natural. No one is a pro 24-7. I'm not uh, at all. Yeah, some might argue with that. Mm -hmm. Meaning <laughs> you. Uh, me, your coach at school, scouts, trainers, your friends. What friends? Uh, you're a great player. Everyone sees it. Everyone knows it. Your mother, she knew it too. <sighs> She's the one who put a tennis ball in your hand to begin with. I still have the picture. She gave it to me for me to play fetch with the dog. But you didn't let it go and you still have it. I had the dream again last night. Please. Yeah, you know the one. You're out there playing at Wimbledon. There's a whole crowd of people there and a bunch of them have signs with your name and your face on it and they cheer when you walk out. And, and, and we know none of these people they're strangers, complete and total strangers, but they know you. And I'm there with the best seat in the house and some of those binoculars, you know, you can, you can wear around your neck like they do at the fancy places at like, um, and I'm holding a hot dog and you start playing and you're kicking butt, like for real. And I look over and there's some people pointing and whispering like that, that's her father. And I just, I watch you, I watch you win and think to myself, yeah, I am. 
I am her father. <laughs> and I'm proud. I'm proud of you, Robbie. Extremely, totally proud of you, you know? I know you don't like to hear about the dream. But it's going to come true. I'm telling you. What if I wanted to stop playing tennis? I mean, like, what would you say if I told you I wanted to stop? I'd tell you that, um, that quitting is never an option. I didn't say quitting. I said stopping. I'd say you were crazy. Dad. It's a hypothetical, right? Right? Robbie, it's just a hypothetical. Maybe it's not. But you had an off day. It's not an off day. I don't want to be here. We only have an hour left. Do you even hear me? I don't want to be here. I don't want to play anymore. Don't say that. But I don't. Since when? And you're just telling me now? Since months ago. Between which one of your dreams was I supposed to tell you? You enjoy this more than I do. Oh, oh please, please. I, I, I do this for you. I do everything for you. You quit tennis? Fine. But then what? What are you going to do? Did, uh, go to college? You don't have the money. I get good grades. That's not enough for people like us. Then maybe I can get in with something I love. Something I actually love. Not something that leaves me going home with two sore legs and one sore soul. When's the last time you saw me smile, Dad? I'm your daughter. When's the last time you took me out here and saw me having fun? It was fun when it was a game, when it was something I could do judgment-free. And yeah, winning is great too, but only when it's an option, not an expectation. I'm tired. There are people out there who do what they love. They make art, they make music, they save lives. They fall in love every single day. And some people love tennis, just like some love football. I don't love it. If you hold on to something you don't love, the world is going to feel darker than it really is. And that's a weight on my shoulders I shouldn't have to carry. Your mother is gone. She and I like to believe if she were here, she'd choose my smile over my swing. Now, which one is more important to you? You could be great. Nobody makes it with an attitude of fun or not fun. It's about determination and, and, and work. And pain. Sometimes I think I'd rather be a happy nobody. I'm your daughter, not a trophy. You can't win me, Dad, but you can lose me. Is that the match you'd rather play? Hmm? After my last tournament, my hand was bleeding so much. And once I washed off the blood, I saw how much skin I had broken off from my, me gripping that racket for hours, basically the whole day. It still hurts. I hurt. And the more you push me, the more you hurt me too. Worse than any broken skin. I'll walk home. Rob, Robbie. But she's already gone. He stays on the ground. He picks up the racket he had been holding, tightens his grip, squeezing, and keeps it like that in his hand. The end. What's Love Got to Do With It? by F.J. Hartland. The characters are Penny, a young woman in a trendy tennis outfit, and Marge, an older woman who has just finished a strenuous match. Setting, 
a table in the crowded tennis club lounge summer afternoon. Ad rise, Penny is sipping a cocktail at a small table in the crowded lounge of the tennis club. Marge enters after having just played a strenuous match. She's holding a cold drink and wiping the sweat from her brow with a small towel. Is this seat taken? Sorry, yes. By you! <laughs> Thank you. Penny. My name is Marge. Pleasure to meet you, Margie. Uh, it's just Marge. Underestimate yourself, Margie. You're not just anything. Never seen this lounge so crowded. It's been like this all day. You've been sitting here all day? Uh, what's your court time? I don't have one. I don't understand. I like tennis, but I don't play. But it gives me the chance to get out of the house for a few hours, an excuse to buy cute new clothes and enjoy a few cocktails. I see. I mean, just look at this outfit, Margie. Cute, huh? Adorable. Golf. Oh, you play golf. What's your handicap? I think the politically correct term is disability, not handicap. But I am perfectly fine. Thanks for asking. So you never actually golfed then either? Heavens no. I did love driving the, the cart all over the rinks though. Rinks are for skating. You play golf on links. I got to buy lots of cute outfits for golf too. Then it was off to the 19th green. If you get my drift, Margie. Got it, Penny. But I like tennis so much better than golf. Have you seen those horrible plaid pants men wear to play golf? Golf was, <laughs> golf was invented in Scotland, after all. Not buying it. If golf was invented in Scotland, they'd wear kilts. And believe you me, Margie, I don't see those old duffers in skirts. But men in tight tennis shorts. So you don't know anything about tennis, Penny? I wouldn't say I'm completely clueless. Oh, really? I mean, I know you hit the ball over the... The net. Yes, you hit the ball over the net with your... Your, your, your... racket. This isn't a racket, Margie. Tennis is more of a hobby for me. But if you want to talk rackets, $12 for a daiquiri? Now that's what I call a racket. Maybe you could take some lessons. They offer them here at the club. My cute outfit's all dirty. Ends up looking like a dirty mess like you are right now, Margie. No, thank you. But I don't think I'm... Give me an idea. I don't think I'm that powerful. Don't underestimate yourself, Margie. Why don't you teach me a little bit about tennis? Nothing too deep. Of course not. Just some basics, like, how do you keep score? Well, at the beginning, no one has any points. Well, duh. But you don't say zero, it's called love. Why don't they call it zero, or nothing, or zilch, or nada? Why is it love? Well, I'm afraid I don't know. It looks like I need a better teacher. Just kidding, you, Margie! But love means nothing, I don't understand. Love means nothing makes more sense when you get to be my age, Penny. Sounds like someone's been having issues in the arena of the boudoir. Eh, Margie, am I right? Anyway, the first point you score. That's what I'm talking about, Margie, scoring in the boudoir. The first point you score in tennis is 15. 15 points? No, it's called 15, but it's actually one point. 
why don't they call it one then? I wish I knew. The second point you score is called 30. So I get another 15 points. No, just one. Well, Margie, it sounds to me like every point is worth 15 points. No, because the third point is called 40. So why isn't the third point worth as much? It is. No, because it's only 10 more. Last time I checked, Margie, 40 minus 30 is only 10, not 15. You can't fool me, Marge. I may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. I'm sure no one pulls the wool over your eyes, Penny. <laughs> Thanks. Tell you what, Margie. Like you. Lucky me. Even with that god-awful tennis outfit you're wearing. So I am going to buy us both another glass of this $12 hooch so you can explain to me this advantage in and advantage out. I keep hearing about it. I mean, last time someone took advantage of me, I wound up duck naked and Poughkeepsie. That ever happened to you, Marge? I can honestly say no to that, Penny, and to another drink. Um, as much as I hate to tear myself away, I need to hit the showers and get home. It's too bad, especially when we were having such a great time. Maybe I'll see you here again sometime, Margie. I'm here on Wednesdays and third and Fridays. Wednesdays and Fridays. I'll be sure to remember that. It's tell you what, Marge, for what it's worth, I think the sport of tennis could really take off if it just made sense. And you just scored it zero, one, two, three, four. I'll see what I can do about that. Goodbye, Penny. Never goodbye, Margie. Until we meet again. Marge can't get out of there fast enough. End of play. Thank you, audience, for being here and listening to these wonderful plays and the actors who brought them to life. Hey, Mabel, who are the actors? The actors are Nancy Botris, Susan Benioff, Michaela Macias, Sadie Rice, Marcus Rodriguez, and Tom Stewart. Thank you, actors. So if you haven't done so already, please follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and spread the word because uh, we are going to continue doing these contests. And thank you again, playwrights. And until next time. Until next time. End scene.